Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. We're talking business now with Margaret Reynolds. Margaret runs a management consulting firm called Breakthrough Masters Unlimited, and she works with the C-suite leaders of growth-minded companies to help them surpass and sustain high-performance goals by reimagining what's possible, creating a shared direction, and embedding strong, aligned cultures. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Margaret joins us to discuss her latest book, Boost Your Growth DNA, How Strategic Leaders Use Growth Genetics to Drive Sustainable Business Performance. Welcome, Margaret. Kelly, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be an interesting conversation, I'm sure. The title of your book is very intriguing, Growth DNA. What is that? Well, actually, it is a very new and proprietary framework I developed because I have found that today's leaders are struggling to get the kind of results that they used to be able to achieve five or ten years ago. And they're looking for new tools, new ways to approach the market to drive performance back to the levels that they believe are possible for their organization in such a highly competitive and fast-changing world. So when you talk about growth DNA, and by the way, I've heard you refer to it as the missing link, which is a very good play on words, given that DNA has links and strands. So tell us about how you put that into action. It's a great concept, growth DNA, but how do you put it into action? Growth DNA is essentially, it answers a couple of fundamental questions. Um, the first question that it primarily answers is, having to take a step back to try to figure out what is it that really differentiates companies who are successful from those that aren't. And it's not that companies are professionally managed and other companies are not. It's not whether or not you check the boxes and do the right things about having a productive culture or you complete a strategic plan. Companies can do all those things and still not be successful. And so there is this quote-unquote, missing link about how do you connect the dots between what you're doing and what your results are. And so growth DNA came about because I was trying to solve for that question. And what I recognized is that the fundamental answer is not what you do. It's not all those professional activities, but it's how you do them. And the thing that appealed to me about the DNA concept is DNA is like that, right? DNA is invisible. Mm -hmm. You can't see it. And it lies below the surface, but it explains so much about what we do or what happens to us over time. And so it's predictive and it's outcome-oriented. And that is exactly what I think is true in businesses, is that they have DNA, the how they do their work, which is sort of invisible because it's this accumulation, if you will, of past behaviors and people and processes at their organizations that have taken off on a life of their own, but they are predictive. They actually create the forces that allow them to either be successful or not, and so thus growth DNA. What I'm hearing you say makes me wonder, though, if it's DNA, if it's in the business's genes, just like it's in our genes, what can you do about it, though, if it's not working for you, if it's not aiding you, how can you change it? 
Well, it would be very depressing if we couldn't. <laughs> and just like people, <laughs> and we probably wouldn't be talking yeah, right now either. Well, exactly. We and so, you know, why do one in twenty? Right now, one in twenty-five Americans have had their own DNA tested. It is something that is catching fire. Why do people want to know what their DNA is? Right? Because they could have the same mm-hmm. results. They could say, "I'm predisposed to cancer," or "I'm predisposed to diabetes." But the reason we want to know is because when we know, we can do something about it. You know, if you're, yes. if you're predisposed to, say, uh, with the BRCA gene, then there are very famous people that have had surgeries to modify those areas of their bodies that are susceptible to cancer. Or if you're predisposed to diabetes, you can diet and exercise and, and change the trajectory of that disease in your body. The beauty in growth DNA is you can do the same thing. DNA can be modified through other behaviors. Uh, it can be overcome, and the results can change. So in growth DNA, we actually have an ability for anyone to get a, quote, growth DNA test. They can find out what their DNA scores are and thus then start taking the action necessary to modify and improve their results. Yes, and I I believe that you have a place online where our listeners today can go out and take that test if they'd like. We do, and it's no charge. It's... um, the site is www.dnascorecard.com. It's not a long uh, assessment. It takes about five to ten minutes at most, and you'll get immediate results on four different strands of DNA that make up growth DNA. Yeah, let's talk about those four strands. They, they all start with C, so it's the four Cs. Uh, start with the first twin, confidence. So, as I mentioned, these strands are those underlying behaviors that predict success for organizations. And what the survey does is it simply allows you to identify how strong that DNA is in your organization. So, confidence is the first one. And confidence is something that predicts what your potential is as an organization from a growth perspective. What we find is our companies that are not confident tend to stick to the status quo don't rock the boat, don't tackle big risks, don't look for big opportunities, or don't take advantage of big opportunities because they see them as too risky. So confidence is what allows companies to make bigger, bolder decisions that can actually change their company's growth trajectory. So here's what you do to get confidence. Confidence is linked to how effectively your company tracks and analyzes and uses market intelligence, not data in itself, because most companies use financial and operational data a lot, but those tend to perpetuate status quo. Those things Mm -hmm. that are really about what's happening in the marketplace, what are the trends, what are people wanting, how are values shifting, what are our competitors doing, all of those kinds of market intelligence usually, when really understood, can compel a company to take some new directions they might not have otherwise, and really find new pockets of growth. When you talk about the financial tracking, that tends to tell you your history, where you've been and where you are at this moment in time. But the other items that you talked about tracking actually help you identify trends. And so uh, if you want to get ahead, that's what you need to be focusing on. That's correct. One thing that we do a lot of with our clients is we work on what we call customer profitability even though they probably have a lot of data about their customers, many of them don't stop and think that all their customers are not equally profitable to them and that they are spending, in many cases, I've had clients spending 
half of their resources on clients that are generating 5% of their revenue. And you mm. think that may not be you, but you'd be surprised. Um, more often than not, the 80-20 rule applies here. And so that gets you into the next strand, which is clarity. So the second C is clarity, um, and that is essential because if an organization's not clear about what their future direction is, it's very hard to achieve it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. even if the boardroom is clear, the problem is that the implementation doesn't take place there. So you have to have clarity that permeates the entire organization, every single person, every single stakeholder that has a bearing on outcomes needs to be well aware of the direction that the company is going. There's really three variables here. Where's the company going? What's it going to do to get there? Right? So what are the activities? And then specifically, what do I need to do to contribute to that end game? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have all those things in clarity, then it's very difficult to maximize the potential of a company. Clarity comes from good strategy. And unfortunately, I've been in this space for probably 30 years, Kelly, and I have seen very few strategic plans that have what I would call good strategy in in terms of being that clear. There's two major issues with strategy typically. One is it tends to be too generic and therefore not specific enough to give people a good idea about where they're really going that's different from the past. And two, it is often captured more as a list of objectives or a financial milestone, which doesn't say, how am I going to get there? These, these, these unconnected lists of activities are fine, but they tend to be about how do I improve the business, not where am I redirecting the business for high potential growth. Sure. And all of that strategy and all of the things that you were just discussing under that second C clarity can be informed by what you have tracked in the reports and, and data that you were talking about under the first C confidence. You are absolutely right. And that is part of the insight here is that there is a cyclicality to this where I would always advocate that if someone is new to this concept, they start with confidence to get the data on which to make very good decisions about where their company is going, where their opportunities are, and how to capitalize on them. So they do form a certain sequence. When you talk about clarity, uh, not only do you have to have that good strategy, but then you have to communicate it, which you didn't quite use the word communicate it, but that's what you were you were essentially saying is that it has to be communicated up and down. Everybody needs to know about it. W- without that, you can't have the third C, which is commitment. Well, I think that you're already figuring out growth DNA and talking exactly my language because commitment is actually what I consider to be the number one role of leadership once a strategy is crafted. Their job translates into being the voice of that strategy throughout the company and having a regular cadence of communication that is two-way in nature in order for all employees to really understand and internalize and activate their their support in a way that really gets them on board to do grassroots value contribution. And what are some of the ways that you can make sure everybody has been communicated to? What are some of the the techniques for doing that? Well, I think there's a couple things that are really important here. One of the big things is I strongly encourage leaders to create sort of a project plan for their initiative. So at this point, right, you've got a strategy, you know where you're going. Now you've got to be directive and you've got to say, okay, here's the three things we're going to do next year to get us moving in that direction. And 
here's what each one is going to require from us, both in terms of activities and resources. And here's who's going to be accountable for doing it. And here's the results we're expecting. So it has to really be managed into an implementation plan, which can then be communicated. Yeah, and it's one thing to communicate it. How do you communicate it in such a way, or maybe what other factors are involved besides communication, to, in order to get that commitment, people feel the buy-in, though? I mean, you can communicate, but sometimes it just seems like it's coming from on high. How do you get it so that it's owned? Well, one of the things I like to say is that, unfortunately, more often than not, strategy does not change the work of the organization, because if you think about it, when you leave your desk to go to that big meeting where you're going to hear this announcement about how things are different, what do you do when you go back to your desk? You do the same things because that's what's still on your desk, right? You right. still make the same customer calls. You still fill out <laughs> the same forms. You still do yep. everything exactly the same way. So nothing has really changed. So that in order for that to be effective, there's a couple things you have to do. One, we develop annual communication plans. So we start with the beginning to say, okay, what is the outcome we're looking for? What do we want people to do as a result of hearing this information? And what do we think we have to do in communication in order to get that result? So there's a couple of key things. One is I mentioned a cadence of communication. It has Mm -hmm. to be regular and consistent. It cannot be a one and done. So you probably have to be thinking about what are the forms you have for communication? Do you do daily huddles? Do you have weekly staff meetings? Do you have monthly town halls? Do you have quarterly board meetings? What are the events that are already going on that you could use to continue to integrate strategy into the activities of the organization such that it's actionable? Number two, as I mentioned earlier, it has to be two-way. It it doesn't do any good to just tell people. You've got to find out if they're hearing it. And if they are hearing it, if they're hearing it the way you intended, or do they have questions, and then do they understand what they can be doing to contribute? So there has to be opportunity for the feedback loop through all of those mechanisms of communication that we talked about, about the daily, the weekly, the monthly, the quarterly. And sometimes that takes smaller group sessions. Sometimes it takes you know, the CEO doing lunch and learns. Sometimes it means that you don't just do um, big meetings, but you, you have more personal um, interactive device, whether it's email with a request for feedback, whether you do... I have one client that does weekly surveys with their employee base to find out kind of what they call the vibe of the office. So there's a lot of different things that you can do in order to make sure that that communication is not only clear, but that it sticks and that people feel engaged in the process such that they want to contribute and get involved. Well, and in doing that kind of consistent uh, communication with a cadence, as you say, you are, whether you realize it or not, you're creating your culture. And that brings us to the fourth strand, which is culture. Absolutely. So the fourth strand is culture because at the end of the day, so far what we've done is we've managed to put something in play that's going to give us a couple of years of good results. But if we want to sustain that over time, year in, year out, high performance, then what we have to do is we have to make sure that we build that these tendencies and this behavior and this communication system into the fabric of the company. And that means we have to create a growth-minded culture. And some people ask me, you know, well, does that mean that I have a very values-driven culture that I like? I'm very proud of it. Are you telling me it's not good? And it's not that at all. Value-driven cultures are essential, but it also has to be connected to the work of the organization. Having happy employees is wonderful, but if you go back to the original premise, doing things right, even having good cultures doesn't necessarily 
predict positive outcomes unless mm-hmm. that culture is connected to the work of the organization. So we have to build in addition to that value-driven organization, what I call a growth-minded culture. And that's the piece that says we want people to understand where the organization's going and they understand how to contribute and they feel energized and encouraged to step up to the plate and actually make a difference. One of the things we've come across that's very powerful is simply making sure that your employees know how to make suggestions. You'd be Mm. surprised the number of companies where we assume they do. We think they know it's welcome and encouraged, but there really is no vehicle for doing it and no process for evaluating and acting on the suggestions that companies get. Often, companies consider that, as you referred to before with the communication, the one and done, um, they'll get up at uh, some kind of company-wide meeting and say, hey, we're going to put out an employee suggestion box and we really want you to participate in this. We welcome your ideas. And then six months later, there's been no more mention of it. People who did take the time to contribute their ideas feel maybe not demoralized, but like it was a waste of time at least. And and so then it just kind of squashes the whole thing. So if you're going to do that, you need to, going back to your third C commitment, you got to be committed to, uh, to following up on that and actually providing the process where employees feel like those ideas are valued. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have two um, ways that we often talk to companies about how they can do this and keep it going. <clears throat> One is a, a training tool, and we call it Ask, Don't Tell. And mm. if you think about your own day-to-day work life, you know how busy you are, and when people, you know, you're running between meetings, you have five minutes to get two floors to another conference room, and someone comes up to you and says, you know, hey, Kelly, we have this customer issue. How should I handle it? The first inclination is to say, do this, this, and this, and so that person goes, thank you, and they run back, and they get it done, and you feel like you've done a good thing and that they can keep their work flowing. The challenge with that is over time we've trained them to become dependent on us, right? Right. We've trained them that we know the answers and that we become a bottleneck for our own organizations. And so if you flip that, instead of telling, you ask and say, well, what do you think we should do? And the first answer might be, I have no idea. That's why I'm asking. Just tell me so I can get it done, right? Mm -hmm. Employees don't really like it. It makes them uncomfortable. But if you spend weeks, and I'm not saying it doesn't even take months, if you spend weeks saying, what do you think the options are, and coaching them through that, and then saying, go away, explore the options, come back to me with a recommendation, you are beginning the process of transforming your organization to be more inclusive, getting employees to think for themselves, getting employees forcing employees to be more knowledgeable about the factors that affect decisions like financial information or operational flow, you know, upstream, downstream Mm -hmm. consequences, uh, the marketplace, what's going on and how it's going to affect what they decide. Over the course of a couple of months, you've just multiplied your bandwidth exponentially. And, I mean, the, the amount of return that a company can get off of that is amazing. I just came away from a workshop where we were talking about growth DNA and had an unsolicited comment from someone who said, we've been doing your ask, don't tell for the last couple of weeks. And he said, I cannot believe the difference it's making in our organization and how much more powerful we are. The other thing you hear a lot, especially in entrepreneurial organizations where they're still small and the founder is still very much involved in the daily operations of the company, they get burned out. And once you start implementing what you just described, 
it opens up a whole new uh, world for them in terms of their time that's now freed up because they aren't trying to do everything for everybody. That's right. And so what it gives them is the time to go back to their main job, which is Mm -hmm. to focus on, there's two main jobs of that company leader. He's got to focus or she's got to focus on the future because if they are not, then no one is. And secondly, it's their job to incent the rest of the organization to get on board, get excited, and contribute, because that's how they're going to maximize their results. If there's one thing that you could leave our listeners with today that maybe they could go and implement immediately and see some results, what would it be? Wow, that's a great question. If I could get everybody to do one thing, I think that the first thing I would like them to understand is that everything that's inherent in growth DNA and those four C's is what I call self-limiting behavior. There is nothing in this concept that has a big price ticket on it. I'm not advocating you buy a new ERP system. I'm not advocating that you replace your staff. I'm not advocating you change your manufacturing processes. There is no major price tag here. The price is rethinking how we approach our business. And so if I could encourage people to do one thing and really create some self-awareness about what they're doing that is self-limiting behavior, And to do that, I would really strongly advocate that they take 10 minutes and do this uh, growth DNA scorecard assessment and get results back and then begin to ask themselves, where are their strengths, but where are they challenged and what could they do? They'll actually get, when they take the survey, they'll get immediate results back on their scores and depending on what their score is, they'll get some suggestions right there about how they can improve um, their performance based on those uh, outcomes outcome, the results they get. And as Margaret said, uh, it's free. It doesn't take that long to complete, maybe 15 minutes. So go out to dnascorecard.com, take the assessment, and you may be transforming your company if if you can really discipline yourself to do this. Margaret, where can we get a copy of your book? Well, um, the easy place to go is Amazon. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, If you search for Boost Your Growth DNA, it should come up on your screen. Or you can go to my website, which is www breakthroughmaster.com. I have a book tab. Click there and it will take you to that book as well. Okay. Two important websites, dnascorecard.com and breakthroughmasters.com. You can go out there and get a copy of the book and she's got some other resources on there as well. So thank you very much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Kelly. I enjoyed visiting with you. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. I appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Talking Business Now. If you'd like to suggest podcast guests or topics or subscribe to Talking Business Now, please visit the website at interrobangsolutions.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-O-B-A-N-G solutions.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.